Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Many of us walk into this space today feeling the weight of grief or sin and the hope of abundant life fighting for supremacy in our hearts, in our bodies, and in our minds. These two forces are waging war within us in ways that seem completely out of our control. If this sounds like you this morning, know that you are not alone. The Jesus who saved us is actually one who knows this feeling just as well. Welcome to Adoption Awareness Sunday, y'all. Uh, my name is Matt Delano. I'm one of the ministers here at this church. Um, y'all, this is a good morning. This is a good morning because we are going to reflect on stories of this church and of God's people in the midst of a time that feels very complicated. But in the midst of a time in which we can reflect on a truth that I would hope for you and for me will actually free us up. This morning, many of us heard the words that Brooklyn read this morning from the Apostle Paul, probably not truly believing or at least not experiencing the reality he offers. Instead, we find ourselves asking questions like, do I belong? Am I truly loved? Is there hope for me? Does what I've done or who I've become make me still lovable? And many of our answers may be no, or probably not, or at best, maybe. But from the one voice that truly matters today, the answers are that you do belong. There is hope for you, and you are loved. We are going to celebrate stories today that invite us all to realize something we can celebrate in Christ together. A voice that charts a path out of shame and guilt and regret to the realm of restoration, of healing, and forgiveness. So today we want to reflect on a reality that our identities, our self-worth, do not depend on anything other than the self-giving love of God. A love that honors our struggles but doesn't abandon us in them. That's good news. This morning, uh, I want to look in depth at this passage in Romans 8. Y'all, Paul understands us even more than we can even realize, right? Like he is wrapped up in the muck of violence and humanity and sickness and pain. And Paul writes from this place of frustration, maybe even in prison, he says, all who were led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of bondage or of slavery to lead you back again into fear. But you received a spirit that shows you, a spirit that shows you were adopted as his children. This morning, Paul is saying something quite profound. He's saying that the Holy Spirit has been given us because we need to be dislodged and disrupted 
from the reality we find ourselves in. Because I know you know this just as well as I do, but we are unintentionally locked in to the habit of sin. And we are deemed powerless on our own. And yet I think this is important. There's a, there's a caveat in this, in this section, right? It says we've been adopted as children of God by the Spirit of God. And we have received something out of grace, but I think we have to realize that there's action that has to take place on our end, right? I think this is important. There is a difference between knowing that we are free and actually choosing to live into a freedom that disrupts sin's hold on us. There's a difference between knowing you're free and actually choosing to live into the freedom. And this is true because there are systems and patterns that convince us that alignment with the Spirit of of God isn't actually what we need. Or at least we, we think aligning with a specific political party or issue or diet or investment or whatever gives us control will actually lead us to be aligned with God's Spirit. But that's a mistake. Paul tells us we need alignment specifically with the spirit of adoption. Otherwise, we're held captive by our own flesh. Peer pressure, look at me, doing what is right for the wrong reason, our desire for independence. And and in these places, we often choose actually experiences that lead to rejection, that lead to isolation, not moments that actually lead to acceptance or adoption. And that cost is heavy. That cost is heavy. And today we're going to find ourselves, like I said, in the midst of Romans 8. I'm going to have the the scriptures on the screen, but you can follow along uh, if you have a Bible with you. You can find Romans after uh, the book of Acts and before the book of 1 Corinthians and the second half of scripture in the New Testament. And if you've read Romans 8 before, you will know that there is enough to talk about for days, if not years, just in this one chapter. But in this part of his letter to the church in Rome, Paul hits the pedal to the floor. And we need to remember, too, that the first people to digest what Paul is saying here heard this audibly. They didn't have time to slowly comb through it. Paul tells it to them straight. He says, choose freedom or continue to choose captivity. Captivity out of fear or posturing or or maybe not wanting to confront who you are in that moment. Fear out of comfort. And, And what ends up happening is we end up experiencing a captivity that actually invites us to seek what one of my minister friends called lowercase b, belonging. We try to belong in places by not truly being who we are or claiming our adoption when our heart and our soul and our being is longing for an uppercase B, belonging. A belonging that leads to restoration and a belonging that I hate to say it is also filled with complexity and even a bit of pain. And I don't know this pain well, obviously, but I think it it makes me think of labor pain. A pain that requires work, but births something new, and transformative, a quality that we choose when we live by the Spirit. And in choosing this life that Paul speaks to here, you choose a belonging that is supernatural. 
You enter a story that's going to continually reshape who you are and how you view the world. A story that's painfully restorative. And yes, we, we know, if you are following Jesus right now, you know you've been told the, the process of redemption has started, right? Things are being made new. But it's not fully healed yet. And so we must this morning hold on to the reality that we are children of God who live by association in the in-between, waiting on full restoration of ourselves while also suffering mightily, maybe. And one of the beauties of being adopted by God and walking into the arms of God is that we choose something much better and much harder at the same time. We choose something much better and much harder at the same time. Because we choose a path that that actually requires us to care a whole lot about how we treat people. How we order our life, how we see ourselves. It makes us care and think about what are we willing to risk? What are we even willing to hope for or dream for? And what are we willing to expect from the Spirit of God? Paul contrasts the spirit of freedom with a spirit of bondage. And so I wonder this morning, which do you long for? And which are you chasing? Many of us, I think, would answer that and say, we're longing, or we wouldn't say this, but we'd have to acknowledge it, is that many of us are longing for freedom, and yet we're chasing bondage. Bondage maybe to something that looks like freedom, but isn't. But it's bondage nonetheless that leads to harm on us. It's interesting, at the end of of verse 15, we read after Paul has, has said this beautiful phrase, he ups it a little bit and says, With this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Some of you may remember a few weeks ago, Zane talked about actually a passage later in Romans 8 where it talks about the Spirit groaning on our behalf when we don't have words. This is the same instance here, right? So the Holy Spirit is the way we connect to God. It's the way we talk to God. It is our amplifier. And this is so beautiful because the language that Paul uses here, Abba, Father, it probably feels weird to us. It's not weird to them, right? Like, This really means daddy or dad, but it's not just like this so-and-so, this is so-and-so's dad, such-and-such dad. This is my dad, my parent. To give you a little window into this, I'll give you a quick parenting snapshot that I think will help. So anybody in the room who's a parent or a grandparent, right, there's something so beautiful when my kids, two-and-a-half-year-old and a a 15-month-old, right, when they say dada, or mama for the first time, right? It lights you up in every way. And there's something that feels so wrong for us and for Avery, our two and a half year old in particular, when someone calls me Matt or her mom Amber. It doesn't make sense to her. And this probably happens once a week at least where someone calls her mom Amber and she goes, Amber, who's Amber? It feels so weird to her because that's not what she knows first and foremost. 
It's personal. This is what God longs for. He's no longer a distant God, but instead he's our data, our mama, our parent. And this beauty gets even deeper on this back half of the passage. If we look in verse 16, it says, The Spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. I love there's another translation that says, The Spirit testifies with our spirit. So hear this this morning. God says that your marker is my child. Don't mistake it. Don't let someone convince you that it's different. We are his children in that place is a safe place. But I want to stop here just for a second. I want to name a couple realities that people may be feeling in this room. As we talk about adoption, uh, as we talk about family, we've mentioned this a couple times, but it is complicated at times. And so I just want to name a few things, and, and hopefully this is heard for every person in this room. Every person in this room was brought into this world by an imperfect mother and father who is equally loved by the God who adopted them. We know this. When it comes to family and adoption, there is tension in some of us. There are a lot of stories with family, adoption, fostering, etc. that have not been good news, or at least they haven't been good news to everybody involved. And if you're in this room today, I I just want to say, or I want you to know that you, your sonship or your daughtership, they are safe with God. And I also want to say that I know it doesn't always feel so safe based on the experience that you've had of brokenness or hardship or, or maybe something you're in right now. The heaviness sometimes outweighs the wholeness of feeling adopted as children of God. And so for people in this room this morning, I just want to say, for those impacted by adoption in this room, if you were adopted and you feel complicated about that reality, if you have adopted or fostered and it hasn't turned out how you dreamed or imagined, if it's been full of more pain than triumph, or if you've made the decision that it was best for your own kids to be put up for adoption, you are known by God and equally loved by the God who adopted you. God holds the pain and complexity that you're feeling and And we know that stories of adoption and fostering have so many layers, so many people in it, that there is always going to be deep joy and always going to be deep pain journeying together. And sometimes as hard as it is to come to terms with, in our midst and in our world, I think this is important to say, is that the hard things don't always get figured out fully. The hard things don't always get figured out fully. Sometimes we have to wait until Jesus returns and fully redeems it. And so this morning, before we move any further, I want to just pause for about 10 seconds. I'm going to say a short prayer and just ask everybody to either close your eyes or um, present yourself before God. And just if you are feeling heaviness this morning, um, I just want to give you space to give that to God.
So let's pray for a second. God, you know the people who are in this room. Would you hold any heaviness they're feeling this morning, even if it's joined by a deep hope? Amen. What's cool is that even as we acknowledge that and as we enter that tension, the beautiful thing is that Paul makes this clear, just as I said, that our markers are clear. We are children of God, and, and that is not fragile or fleeting, but rather the good news in itself also is that that place of love trumps even the love that people love that people in our lives have for us, even love that's good. Love from our parents, our caregivers, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, our spouses. It doesn't belittle those loves, but it does provide a stability of love unseen or unheard. A love that enables you and me to inherit a reality after death that has the final word. And as we step into the final verse of this passage, I want to look at it for a second. It says, if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs, co-heirs with Christ. If we really suffer with him so that we can also be glorified with him. We tend to love everything in this verse but one phrase. Can you tell me which phrase we don't enjoy? Right, yes. I thought somebody might say co-heirs with Christ. No. Uh, yes. If we really suffer with him, that is a hard pill to swallow. But one of the beautiful things about joining the family of God, one of our former ministers, Justin Gerhardt, I think said this so well. He said, when we are adopted, we are adopted into a suffering family. When we're adopted, we're adopted into a suffering family. Right? Like, who doesn't love the resurrection, right? Who doesn't love the hope that you would find if you believe in God and know that Jesus redeemed us? But that's only one side of the relentless love of God. We have to name the reality that the Christ that we will also rise with was also brutally murdered and unimaginably suffered. So we have to know that even though we experience glory which triumphs suffering, we still choose to enter a state of hardness, a state of suffering, when we choose to acknowledge and claim adoption by the Spirit of God. It may not feel like it, but that's really, really good news. All right, y'all, I want to get to the practical um, before we close out this morning. I have three things that I think uh, the spirit of adoption that Paul talks about actually reframes for us. When we choose to live into the spirit of adoption, we are saying no to three things that so easily can grab a hold of us and actually just push us back into bondage. First, we're saying we can't save ourselves, right? We are saying that you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps alone. Uh, the earthly desires, the deep-seated opinions, the sin that trips us up is obviously not something that's fostering belonging, 
Our changing circumstances as Matt or Cindy or John can't be what defines how we live or who we live for. And I heard someone say this, uh, this similarly. I think, I think this is important. Many of us may have already been hit by this, right? Like New Year's Eve is coming. I remember Mark Gunn told me, like, I'm preaching on New Year's Day. Don't preach about resolutions. <laughs> He's like, leave it alone. Uh, but this is something we're going to be hit with for the next two months, right? Like, and don't do it. Don't be convinced to live into a New Year's resolution Christianity. What I mean by that is where you're just like, I'm going to reinvent myself this year. I'll do it in three years. Or, or where you go the next two months saying, like, I got a free pass for a little bit. I'll start it back up in the new year. I'll be good to go. I mean, of course, we want to grow and change and be shaped as, as followers of Jesus, but it can't be driven by us alone. Our hard-nosed dieting, our, uh, our, our willing ourselves to be the best Christians, or working constantly um, on getting fit and buying that gym membership that we're going to cancel in a few months, right? Relying on our temptation to pursue more success or to acquire more social media followers or to constantly work on our physical appearance will not save us, and it will not fulfill us. We were restrained by sin and death, and if we choose those things, we forget that we were given a chance to fight it off. Second thing. When we, choose, uh, when we choose to live in the spirit of adoption, we are saying that we can't look to others to save us. This is important. I have some unfair expectations of other people in my life, right? Anybody feel that way? Or maybe you haven't named it of yourself yet. Uh, I, I would say, right, I wouldn't want someone's, or the expectations I have for someone else, I wouldn't want those put on me, right? I mean, all the time I find myself thinking like, why can't so-and-so do this? Why did they do it this way? It would have been better if they did it this way, right? And it's probably because they're not me, right? They don't think the same way as me. They don't have the same opinions as me. They don't have the same likes and dislikes. And another way to think of this is how comfortable, you can even, I'll put it on the spot here. If you look to the person next to you, how comfortable would you be with them being your God, right? That's not to throw them under the bus, but that is to say, if I can't rely on myself to save me, I sure as hope no one else is relying on me to save them, right? Because I'm good at a few things, but I am not good at being God. That is a healthy acknowledgement. Third thing, we cannot look to the world to save us. Man, this is, this is huge, I think, this week right? We're called to be in the world, not of the world. Paul, just a few chapters after this, is actually going to say something um, that speaks deeply into this reality. He says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I've heard another pastor speak to this reality so well. He talks about it in our culture, and he says basically there's two ways that Christians even usually respond to this kind of, to, to being in the world, not of it. He says you either block everything out in the world, everything it's saying to you, you call it bad, you get away from it, you lock it out, or it's incredibly easy to do the opposite and say, oh wow, this new way of social media will reach more people. We want more people, let's build that new building so they're going to come. All of those things, 
And yet, this pastor speaks about Jesus in relation to this and saying, Jesus does not need us to give him a makeover. Jesus doesn't need us to give him a makeover. So much of our problem is overcompensation, right? It comes from assigning what we are seeing and hearing in the world to Jesus instead of letting who Jesus was and what Jesus said and did inform how we should interact with the world. Jesus saved us and those around us. It's not the other way around, right? Living into the spirit of adoption is crying out to the Abba Father who parents us as we groan for redemption of this world, not delivery by the world. And in doing so, we acknowledge a siblinghood with Jesus who suffered with us and actually taught us what it looks like to live this way. All right, time to land the plane. When we choose to be heirs of God, knowing it's only the only thing we need, this changes everything about who we are, but it also changes everything about who we can be for each other, right? It doesn't just shape us internally in a vacuum. It shapes who we are to everyone around us. That is super important because when we discover the power of being co-heirs with Christ, we become part of Christ's welcoming party, right? We are not the, the father who invites us or adopts us into eternal kinship, but we can become co-parents, co-friends, co, uh, co-adopters in all these different ways. And one way to hear this is to say that the spirit of adoption renegotiates us or our identity from top to bottom. Everything about us is changed through it. In other words, and as Paul would maybe say it, an adopted child is actually the most honored child because it's an identity that is intimately connected to God. And God's will to claim us through adoption. And so as we close this morning, for us as a church, we, we have to say a few things. We have to embody a few things when this is the reality. Because whether you know it or not, because God is our Father, you have DNA, or you have adoption as a part of your DNA. Many of you who have been here at Round Rock for some time know this reality is true for us. And today, by being a part of this church and being a follower of Jesus, or even if you're wondering about what it does look like to follow Jesus and claim a spirit of adoption, the church individually and collectively is saying a couple things by the way we embody it and, and act. The first of which is that you are willing to experience suffering alongside the glory of being a child of God. You're willing to experience suffering with the glory of being a child of God. The second thing is you are willing to be co-adopters as much as co-heirs with Christ. That means praying for people who are, going, who are impacted by adoption. It means monetarily supporting people. It means providing meals for families. It means considering fostering yourself. It means considering and praying for whether God is asking you to adopt as a family. It's wondering how you can help, right, by maybe being certified as a babysitter for foster parents or adoptive parents. And the key thing is it's listening to the stories of those impacted by adoption instead of assuming you know how it is. Both of these choices point to this. 
We choose to wade into the story of adoption because God adopted each of us even as we are hard and stubborn and running away. This means that you have the opportunity to support families at Round Rock, individuals at Round Rock, local organizations, neighbors, friends, all who are wrapped up in the story of adoption. And so the rest of the way this morning, we're going to spend time reflecting on the power of God. We're going to do so by hearing a few testimonies regarding the way that adoption has infiltrated the heart of this body. We're going to bless those who are in it. And so as I close this morning, I just want you to hear this final thing. As you witness the amount of people influenced by the power of adoption, I want you to remember this. The God through whom and for whom we gather today can hold the very complexity of these stories just as Jesus did on the cross. God continues to hold the tension of things not yet figured out alongside the celebration of things that have already begun the redemption process. And for everyone in this room, your Abba Father is saying this, I will do anything to make sure you are with me. I will go to lengths that you cannot fathom to welcome you into my family, even if you keep me at arm's length for a little while. You are always chosen, adopted, and home in me. That's what God says.